Welcome to the Every Woman Podcast. I'm Anna, your host, and every month we'll be bringing you lively discussion and debate with inspiring women making a difference around the world, asking the questions you want the answers to and doubtless prompting some more in the process. So listen in to hear the stories, insights and opinions of those setting the pace and being the change. Today, we're talking to Aradna Lal, Vice President of Brand Communications and Sustainability Initiatives for Lemon Tree Hotels Limited. A leader in its field for DNI, Lemon Tree Hotels, which is based in New Delhi, has a bold focus on diversity and inclusion, something that Aradna has been a key driver in, with a goal to recruit from a far larger pool of candidates, particularly opportunity-deprived Indians. This includes those who've been marginalised uh, through domestic violence, acid attacks, those with learning and physical disabilities, as well as those with socio-economic marginalisation. And about 17% of its workforce is now made up of opportunity-deprived Indians, and the number is growing. So welcome, Aradna. Thank you. So inclusion. Ultimately, it's a question of ability, not disability, isn't it? And this is something that I know that you talked a lot about in your 2018 TEDx talk um, called How to Think, Rethink Disability. So tell me a little bit more about that mindset. Yes, Anna, you're absolutely right. We've looked at this journey. We started in 2007. And for us, this journey has been about focusing on the ability and not the disability. It started out as a trial in 2007 with just two people who were speech and hearing impaired. When our chairman had a discussion with our HR head and said, you know, what happens if we hire someone who has a disability? And the answer he received was, I don't know, sir, but we can try. So it was literally like a trial that was done at the time. And when we looked at the tasks that we wanted them to do, at that time, we focused on the back of the house areas. We looked at the maybe 10 or 15 tasks they would do in that role. And we figured out that we need to just train them on it. And once they're trained, they will be able to perform. Regarding the training, the first thing we understood was we'll have to learn the Indian Sign Language because to communicate with somebody who cannot hear and cannot speak, it is important to be able to communicate through some language. And that happens to be ISL. So once we got that sorted at our end and we got the training sorted, we did it through uh, instruction, through role play, with the help of videos. And all of this allowed that individual to understand how to do that task and actually bring his ability forward and do something productive. And these are people who uh, 13 years ago would not really get a chance in any organization to do a full-time job or any kind of job. So they were very eager and keen. You give them the right impetus with the training and that ability will come to the fore. That's how it works. Did, did you find that you had to overcome uh, certain cultural mentalities around uh, this particular group of, of marginalized people in order to move things forward? And, and did you know that what you would do would become a success or was it something that grew? I'll answer the second part first. As far as the success is concerned, we really didn't know. We wanted to do a trial. We were experimenting with the brand. We were creating the brand 13 years ago. It's only an 18-year-old company, actually. Um, and we were ready to try a, a different perspective. So we said we will try it. We will amend the way we do it. And we'll try to make it work. But there was no surety that it will be successful. It has turned out that after about two years of a very, very detailed effort, it did turn out to be successful. Coming back to the issue of attitudes and beliefs and maybe prejudices, in India, it is considered to be a taboo for a person to have a disability. 
it goes back very deep into the hindu culture and sometimes people look at it as something to do with their past life it's it's a way people think actually that maybe i am getting some kind of punishment in this life to have a child with disability because of what i did in my past life there are many of us who don't uh, believe in something like that which is why we are able to move forward in this manner so it takes a bit of effort first to get past the families and the communities themselves and to make them overcome whatever negative thought process they might have and allow them to bring that individual out maybe as a child or maybe as a young uh, adult to bring them out and allow them to get educated allow them to get skilled and trained and eventually be able to go to a workplace every day and work a full day's uh, work so it's very important to get started with the family and the community then of course organizations and companies and industry must open their doors otherwise even if these individuals are ready where will they go so the attitude occurs at many levels and there are many cuts to it and i think it takes several years for this to work but in the last 10 years i've seen a very big change in the attitudes um, in the community in general amongst corporates amongst industry and amongst managers who work in these companies it's very interesting to see the open mindedness building maybe slowly but very surely for for instance so that's that's worked well i think I mean, that's interesting. Like you say, you have to change attitudes at many levels, but there is a unique um, power that businesses have, I think, uh, to change uh, structurally, to change expectations and to change the narrative. Is that something that you have found? I mean, do you think that actually business is, is one of the best places to start in terms of changing that, that narrative around ability amongst people that possibly are living down to other people's expectations of them when they should be living up? I think you've put that very well Anna indeed the narrative can change at the end of industry it's like saying if we make demand for people who are differently able if we go tell the training organizations if we go tell the colleges if we go tell the schools that listen i want to hire 1000 people i want to hire 5000 people and imagine if 100 companies say this and more this kind of demand will obviously create its own uh, supply because you're putting the pressure on the education and the training system and saying listen this is what we need why don't you get it sorted now so i would imagine if organizations and companies can open up their minds open their doors and create an environment where people can bring out their best be productive and yet the team can work well you know it's not just about focusing on that individual with disability we have to focus on the entire employee base and see how will that person's colleague work with him how will that person's supervisor manage what will the manager do who has a very large team under him including people with and without disability so we have to look at the whole uh, hr situation as well as the operational processes and the whole thing rests on training that enables them i can't uh, you know sort of say more about how important training is because that's the only way this ball will actually keep rolling and and this uh, process will continue so a good place to start is open doors at companies talking about the training i mean have you worked with the people that you're training up to create the adaptations that then allow them to to execute their roles and it must be said these are roles front of house and back of house so you know this is a really committed policy of saying look these people have great ability and they can bring a lot to business culture yes when you're developing the training content as well as the training uh, process or paradigm 
you're going to have to experiment because you don't know enough as an organization that how do I teach a deaf person regarding not just the physical processes, but regarding the nuances that if you're engaging with a guest, see we're a hotel company in the end, there will be interactions and engagements with guests. So suppose a guest asks you for something and because you cannot speak, how will your body language be at that time so that that guest knows that you want to serve him, but until he writes it down, you'll not be able to serve him. So there's an issue here with respect to his own ability, with respect to how his team members work with him, and with respect to any other stakeholder that they have to engage with who may not know enough about disability in general or any specific disability. So we have to think of our processes that can encompass all of this. Otherwise, there'll be failure at any particular stage of this process flow. So when you're looking at the training, we work with people who are deaf, we work with people who have Down syndrome, someone who's autistic, somebody who's a acid survivor, or maybe a person with low vision. And we do some kind of traineeship and pilots. And that is where you realize how is the training working? Is this methodology correct? Is this paradigm correct? So it's a bit of an experimentation and you build that knowledge for yourself as an organization. Any company who wants to go down this path will have to experiment a bit because each company's processes are different from the other. Even if we all belong to the hotel industry or even if all those companies are in the financial sector, whichever sector we're talking about, each organization has its own processes. So a little bit of training and experimentation will have to take place. But it, ultimately, it's, it is a collaboration as well between the business and, and the people who are coming in to, to work for the business, uh, rather than, you know, this sort of top down imposed of, you know, what, what, you, what we think you need to be included. It's, it's, you know, there's definitely still that sense that you are working with them to enable. In your talk, you talked about the talent pool and the creativity and productivity and focus that a diverse workforce brings. And as you said in, in your talk, there's no charity to the story, which is one part of this piece, I think. It makes good business sense. So let's talk about that. What, what is the business case um, and, and how, how important is it to look at this issue through the lens of the business case to encourage businesses to take it on board? I believe it's fundamental to look at the business case because this entire story starts there and I'm pretty sure this entire story will end there as well. For any company or any industry to look at hiring people with disability or to even look at hiring people who come from socially and economically marginalized backgrounds whose education may not be complete uh, even, um, it is important to understand why should that company do this in the first place? Aren't they just doing well without it? Like, why should they do it? So the business case encompasses three aspects. One is the employee lens. The other is the customer lens. And the third is from a nation building perspective. So how do we look at it? And in fact, when we do best practice sharing with different companies, both from the hotel sector and outside the hotel sector, one of the first things we spend time on in the discussion and dialogue is this. What is the business sense? What is the business case? And why would it make sense for you to do it? When they get past this dialogue, then it's very easy to start talking about how shall we go about it now? Because that's a, that's a different part. So coming back to the employee lens, one is that the talent pool widens. The talent pool has people with different abilities and different maybe disabilities. So someone who's autistic lives his life as close to normal as he can, keeping in mind that he's autistic and there are some solutions and tactics and processes that he can use 
to enable him to work with society, to be in society. Similarly, a deaf person lives with the fact that he's deaf and he cannot speak. And he finds ways to work around it. If he has to go out to some public place, he has to take public transport, go to a place of education, come to a place of work. They work out uh, ways to negotiate their environment. Because of this, they are uh, solution finders. They look at a problem and they say, okay, what could I do to take care of this problem? And we've had a few instances, whether it's in our coffee shop, whether it's in housekeeping, where very uh, basic problems that might be recurring, we sometimes got good ideas out of people who had different uh, abilities. And therefore, I believe that that creative input is important to an organization. The other aspect is that in the hotel sector, we are all running after one single talent pool, which are people who've been to hotel school. This is true in India. I imagine it might be true in other parts of the world. And there are other industries who are very interested in hiring people from the hotel sector because we are known to be people who are very uh, flexible, people who are very, um, you know, on the ball and who can get things done uh, just just like that. Like there's nothing that's impossible for a hotelier. So therefore, other industries, whether it's banks, whether it's uh, re real estate, whether it's even manufacturing, it doesn't matter which sector, they do find people from the hotel sector to be very interesting and they often hire them. So we are struggling to keep our uh, manpower needs sort of sorted from the same pool that another 50 hotel companies are after and another many, many other companies from different sectors. So if we bring in a new talent pool who nobody is currently after, which is people with disability or people who are socially marginalized, we are widening the space for ourselves, And this makes the talent hunt easier. The third reason on the employee side, which I think is the most powerful, is that of engagement. Now, one of the key things for any company is to keep its employee base engaged. This, the meaning of engagement is not just that that person is happy to come to work and, you know, if you ask them how you're doing, they say, oh, I'm good, I like this company. Not just as simple as that. Engagement is about that person through their mind, through their actions, is fully engaged in the task and the work and the role that he performs performs on a daily basis and he doesn't feel that listen can't I just be somewhere else he doesn't think like that he enjoys that entire process of engaging discussing being productive contributing and even if mistakes take place there is a learning from those mistakes so I think that's why that level of engagement rises now we participate in something called great place to work which takes place every year and we've been ranking amongst the top 100 for almost 12 or 13 years about two years ago, we were number four in India and we were number 12 in Asia. Now, this makes it a very big deal, actually. And the inclusion piece of work was one of the reasons this was happening. In their survey, they asked our uh, employees, it's a, it's a random sample, they asked them, why do you like to keep working at Lemontry Hotels? This was asked of people who had spent two or three years or more in Lemontry. And in, I must tell you, in the hotel sector, two or three years is a very long time. So the answer they would give, there were two clear answers that emerged. One was, I have quick growth and I'm able to progress in my career. The other one was this, that because we are a highly inclusive company, I enjoy being here. I feel proud to be part of this company. And yes, I teach these people many things about how to work in a hotel, but I learn many things from them. I found that to be very powerful, that he, that person who does not have disability is not thinking that he's the teacher all the time. Sometimes he's the learner too. And that's really, really amazing. 
so that engagement goes up the second uh, lens is that of customers and in this we are talking about customers who may not have used you there are different kinds those who never used you and those who are your regulars so when you look at it for customers who haven't used you when they hear about the lemon tree story and they know this inclusion piece it's very interesting how they want to come and try us out so trial takes place and if you ask a chief marketing officer of any company their job is to create trial then to create retention and have loyalists that's their key job as the chief marketing officer so if this initiative without the intention of course it has just occurred like this if this initiative draws in new people for trial that's fabulous those who stay with us they get good service whether it's from the people with disability or the people without disability but the service must be good efficient fast when that happens they say listen i like my experience i want to come back to lemon tree and then there are a few who will go and tell others they become your brand ambassadors they will tell their friends their family their colleagues some of them will go a step further and they will write on a blog so tripadvisor experia bookings wherever they will write about their experience at lemon tree hotels and in that they will quote the examples of people with disability having served them so well having been well trained and they actually felt that they got better service from them sometimes so that's the whole customer angle trial and retention and building a loyal base beyond that from a lens of nation building companies may want to contribute to their country's growth as well and if there are people in society who are differently able why not represent a slice of that society inside the organization why not help them build independence and build dignity people who were never given a chance before and therefore you add to uh, the nation's overall value and growth it's so interesting isn't it i mean you're you're creating ambassadors for change at all levels as you say with the workforce is more engaged customers you you know it, it makes lemon tree uh, a usp in some respects but also the reason why it's so special is because it's so normalized uh, it's such a powerful powerful thing i mean with the success that you've had and you mentioned it earlier that you had talked to other businesses you must have seen a demand for best practice sharing i mean as a dni leader around around this hiring more diverse workforce um, both from within india and abroad I guess. Um, I mean, who are you getting calls from and, and what are their sort of key questions uh, and concerns that they want to, to sort of pick your brains on? Yes, it's actually a very um, interesting piece of my work. I would say it's like a full-time piece of my work. Sometimes I think I run two or three shifts parallelly. I don't know what I do. <laughs> so um, here what happens is initially when we started 13 years ago, in the first three, four years, maybe the hotel companies and the restaurant chains were coming forward and asking. By the time we had hit our fifth or sixth year, I think the initiative started speaking for itself. And then we found that many different industries as well as different forums were interested. For starters, the government, the department that works with disability, they started paying attention to Lemon Tree and they said, listen, these guys are damn serious. We need to understand what are they doing. We need to align ourselves so that when we get people skilled and trained through our government programs, let them get a job at Lemon Tree. So that became the starting point initially. Uh, hotels and restaurants very naturally wanted to come and ask us, how do you do it? What are the steps you follow? Is there a model you have? So the questions were very, I would say, practical kind of questions. Which department do you look at? Uh, which role? How do you train them? How many days of training? Do they work the same hours as others? So some very basic questions regarding operations and regarding HR is what these people were asking us. 
Now, as the best practice sharing activity has expanded, I would say in the last five or seven years, we have crossed every possible industry and people are asking us questions and wanting to meet us and visit us. They could be from the financial sector, they could be from entertainment, they could be from manufacturing, they could be people from any city of India, it doesn't matter where. We've also had some very strong engagement with two or three countries now. Uh, starting with UK itself, with Scotland, under the UK-India Education Research Initiative. It's called UKERI. It's between the two governments. The program has been on for a very long time, some 20-25 years. But the disability program under that has only been on for about four years now. It started in 2016. There is an organization in Glasgow called Glasgow Kelvin College, which is a very inclusive college. They are the uh, partners at that end. And there's an organization in India, which is called the Skill Council for Persons with Disability. This is part of, it's a semi-government organization, and they are the partners from India. So these two organizations lead this uh, sharing uh, practice or this sharing work. Our chairman, whose name is Pathu Keswani, is also the chairman of the Skill Council for Persons with Disability. So uh, he has two hats, basically. So what we've been doing with the UK uh, team is that they have been visiting us, we have been visiting them, and the whole sharing is around if another organization wants to go for inclusion to this degree, what are the steps they must follow? What must they do with respect to job mapping? This is a very important aspect uh, where you're looking at each disability and each role. What are the tasks in that role? And you're trying to understand that would that person's disability stop him or her from doing that particular role or that task? That's the process of job mapping. So they, this exchange is about understanding that. And most certainly it is about understanding what kind of training needs to be done. As I mentioned earlier, I cannot say enough about training. It is so, so crucial. So that's the engagement there. We've had another uh, dialogue on with Singapore. In this case, it was at a private industry level where a hotel company, the Pan Pacific Hotel Group, and a bank, UOB Bank Asia, had been observing us from a distance. They started engaging with us on Skype. So about a year, we engaged maybe five or six times. And then they said, you know, we would like you to come over here, tell us about this, come and see the amount of inclusion that we have done. They were already a step ahead. They had started the journey, but they wanted to change the scale. And for that, they felt that Lemon Tree would be the right kind of organization to help them and guide them. So they had called our HR colleagues and myself. So three of us had gone. And then about six months later, they also came here. And what I found interesting in their case was, besides these two companies, they also got the Ministry of Management power of Singapore to participate and they also came along and that was very good because then it becomes a real dialogue you know um, so that's the kind of engagement we've had internationally in India I think it's more than maybe 75 or 80 companies who have engaged with us in these last maybe eight years I would say out of those about 10 or 12 would have engaged in a much deeper way so what they do is they would come over to our hotel, they would observe these people in motion, and then they would ask more questions. So the kind of questions we get from these people is to do with, of course, the processes, the internal HR processes and so on. But then there are other more important um, 
I would say maybe social angles or softer angles that have to be considered. So the idea of sensitizing the rest of the team. So just because the senior leadership at Lemontry says that we believe in inclusion and it makes business sense, doesn't mean that our 8,000 employees believe in that. Someone has to first guide them. It has to cascade that whole idea. The sensitization of those people has to be done. So that's a very big initiative. You know, it's called culture building, really. And it's a very big initiative at Leventry. So we share this also with the other companies, saying that you can't just give a directive. You're going to have to teach. You're going to have to guide. And you're going to have to sensitize those people. You're not only giving them a broad sensitization, you're also teaching them how to work with a specific disability. Just because I'm open-minded doesn't mean I know how to engage with someone who's autistic. Or it doesn't mean I know that how should I conduct myself with a person who's an asset survivor. Someone has to teach me first that this is the appropriate way to engage with this person. One, to so that that person feels, um, you know, that person's dignity is maintained. And the other, you want to get the best output out of that person. It's not going to be a tick box kind of thing that, okay, yeah, come in my organization, I have a job for you. It's not like that. You want that person to bring out their best ability so that the results will talk for themselves. So to make that happen, this whole sensitization goes deeper as to how you can work with a person of a particular disability and really get the best out of him or her. So it's really important to do it. So I think that's the kind of questions and area of sharing that takes more dialogue. And the companies I'm talking about, the industries I'm talking about, they are very keen to learn. And even now, I must tell you, during the lockdown, these five months that we've been in, these companies have engaged with us online. They have held sessions with their leadership team. Sometimes Pathu, our chairman, does the talks. Sometimes I do it. Sometimes HR does it. And it's very engaging, even if it's online, but it continues. So no one is stopping the thought process, is what I want to say. Is it is it a case that they are looking to replicate or, or innovate? Or is it, a, is it a bit of both in terms of, you know, when they see your success? I would say they would like to replicate the broad fundamentals, which is that model I was referring to. We have a seven pillar inclusion model, which says that no matter what your organization is, if you follow these seven steps, you will get there. The journey will take place. So I think these companies, whichever industry they may belong to, hotels or otherwise, are looking for this broad fundamental model, but they will innovate because as I mentioned earlier, if just take hotels as a simple example, Lemon Tree has three star and four star hotels. Suppose the Marriott, the JW Marriott comes to us or the Hyatt comes to us. These are companies where the brands are in the deluxe and the luxury space. So they can't replicate what Lemon Tree does because we are serving a different customer at a different price. They will have to look at what we're doing and rebuild their own SOPs, their own standard operating procedures and build their own training. So I think it's replication plus innovation. And that's the only way this will work. I just want to highlight about that model for a moment. It's a seven pillar model. It starts with this idea of inclusion must come from the very top, from the leadership which is usually the chairman and managing director of the company. And it needs to cascade to the leadership team, which might be 20, 30, 40 people. After it has been understood and it's sort of culturally inbuilt into these 20, 30 people, then it must cascade to the whole organization, which happens through sensitization, which is the second pillar, really. To make all this happen, you need a dedicated resource. I've seen a number of companies go for DNI, but they might just put it onto an HR person who's 
tasks and whose workload is actually quite heavy with many HR uh, items. And if you just put the DNI on saying, you know, handle it along the way, it may not get the focus. So you need a sustainability or a DNI person. It's important. And you need the HR person to be involved, of course. The third aspect is of job mapping, which I referred to earlier, the third pillar. In this, you need to go disability by disability, role by role, and spend hours on the premises between yourself and your partner. These are basically NGOs, non-government organizations, and I think around the world they're called non-profit organizations, who are specialists in the field of disability and who understand how people with disability can uh, be trained and how they function. So they will come and observe what are the tasks that a person in the coffee shop is doing. Take a steward in the coffee shop. What are these 20 or 30 things this person has to do every day? Setting a table, uh, setting up the buffet, clearing the buffet, pouring water, etc. Many more. I'm just giving you a few examples. So they will try and understand that if a person has Down syndrome, suppose... Would they be able to perform these tasks or would the disability come in the way? Because if it comes in the way, this entire thing will fail. It won't work. So the job mapping piece is really, really important. The next pillar is that of partnership. Because I've mentioned that we need to have our partners who are NGOs and training organizations. Without that, we don't know the way actually because they are specialists. The next pillar is that of running pilots. I referred to that earlier. These are traineeships or pilots that you run because that's with the learning ground. That's how it works. And the seventh and the last pillar is that of going national. What this means is don't just experiment in one or two locations. Take it right across your company, nationally, internationally, wherever you exist, and make it work at an organizational level. That's the whole uh, model. And it's obviously a really incredibly strong structure that, that, you know, as you say, is paving the way for one would hope more more robust inclusion in, in all types of businesses. So with all the success uh, that, uh, of Lemon Tree uh, Hotels and, and other businesses who are following in your steps, um, how much further would you say there is to go until this is a, a normal part of business practice? I mean, you know, what would you like to see happen and, and in what time frame? Wow, that's a loaded question. So I think as an organization, we would like to see a few things happen, which I'll just name. As far as the time frame goes, it's very hard to say. I would love to see it occur in one or two years, but I don't know if it can occur in one or two years. So maybe we should be a little more realistic and say, what do we see happening in five years and in 10 years? Maybe something like that. Now, the things that we need done, uh, whether it's done by families themselves or whether it has to be done by organizations that is us, or whether it has to be done by the government, or whether it has to be done by the education system, whoever. So I think a few of the things that we need to work towards, So if I could imagine an ideal world where inclusion was just the way companies ran their businesses, that's how it is. So one is the removal of all prejudices, whether it's at the family level, community level, or the company level. And I think India as a country needs to make this journey. Because when I have engaged with UK and engaged with Singapore, I can see that the way that country, these two countries look at inclusion and disability is very different and far more open-minded. I'm not saying it's without prejudice. It still has prejudices there as well, but it is far more open-minded than India is. So I think we need to make that journey, that we need to see that a person with disability can live and contribute in society, whether it is at home, whether it is out there in the public, or whether it is in an organization. It is possible for them to do it. They need an opportunity and they need training and they need to be given a chance. That's it. So first is that. The second aspect is 
they need exposure so for by families keeping them sort of closed up in their homes and feeling afraid for them and not letting them go out and this phenomena i must tell you is not true only for india i have observed and understood this in uk as well maybe even in some parts in singapore that all families are not so easy with their ward uh, actually going out to a proper school and a training center and going and doing a daily job you know they have many doubts and reservations and they feel protective which is very natural actually so we need to give more exposure for this there are two elements one is how families would need to sort of um, give them the freedom the second is how educational organizations training organizations and of course the government have to all get geared up on the other end so if the families let their hand go and say okay go do your thing then on the other side someone has to receive them it's really important so starting from the school level going to the vocational skilling or the uh, training level and finally going towards a job it's really important that the whole uh, country sort of gears up for it it's really crucial to do it now when you look at the government they have maybe two or three kinds of roles one is towards education the other is towards running certain programs and schemes which are financial benefits obviously to people with disability so that they can take the opportunity and they can learn and the third which in india is really important it may not be true for uk actually is to do with physical infrastructure public infrastructure the ability to use public transport and simply go from place a to place b one of the big reasons that these folks don't go to a school or a training center or a job is that their families cannot manage their coming and going and they cannot rely on public transport because it's very irregular and also with respect to safety it's a bit difficult in india so these are the things we would like the government to focus on and build a country where safety is not an issue and this is regardless of disability i would like this country to be safe for anybody and everybody and secondly the public infrastructure and public transport has to be at a level that any ordinary man or woman can come and go at any time of the day without a difficulty so that's unique to india actually if we can get these things sorted we've got this uh, this the ship is sailing then i mean that's how it'll work Aradna thank you so much it's been a pleasure to talk to you today thank you